All right, so everybody's in love with business cases as much as we are? Awesome. Okay. My name is Rehan Kreshi. I lead the AWS uh, Professional Services Practice in Canada. And uh, this is my colleague. Uh, my name is Shabazz Alam. I lead our professional services practice for AWS for a majority of Europe. Um, we're very excited for all of you to come here. Um, you know it's early in the morning. We figure that we'd try to help you out a little bit. So if, I can, if you can just humor me. So if this third of the room, if you can just stretch your arms out. Just stretch your arms out. Come on, come on. Just stretch, just go. stretch. There you go. Stretch, stretch. All right, this, this, this little thing in the middle, right? Just tight, tight. Bring it very, very close. Tight. Close, close. Close your arms. Close. You're stretching? No, you, you guys stop stretching. Stretch, close. You guys, just a little bit, right? Just move your arms around as much as you can, right? You got, you got them closed? You got them over? Perfect. So our better halves didn't think we can get a rounding applause from all of you, so we figured we'd just mock it up. That's it. Now we're going to post that. We got this right hands applause, so thank you. So, um, so just as a show of hands, um, how many of you are from the business side, are in finance and operations? OK, good portion of you. And how many of you are sort of deep technical engineers, software developers? OK, about half the room. And then how many of you are faking it that you know IT? <laughs> OK, that's, at least you admit it. So uh, thank you very much for coming. Uh, we, we did this session last year. And as we've, as we've seen throughout the year, right, disruption is around us. When you look at how the market is moving in tickets and television with over the top, think about how banks are moving with all these new mobile banking platforms, um, thinking about mortgage lending, right? disruption is around us. And if you stay still, and if you have already been in the space, and you're not doing anything to advance, then you're going to feel the, feel the pain. So what we really wanted to do was to go ahead and think of a better way to def define how to build a business case. We did this last year. Uh, we had a similar session. We received very positive feedback. And throughout the year, we've been actually doing a number of different business cases. And we've been learning and refining our methods and practices along the way. And so we, we really want to go ahead and try to share some of our learnings and experience with you. So, as we, as we go through the session, what we want to do is to review what are the key components for a business case, talk about some of the tools and frameworks we use internally and how we work with our different customers, and then give you some examples on, on what this really means. So if we think about a real-life business case, we worked with a financial services customer, and we started mapping out what is their total cost of ownership, and we realized that AWS was about 34% cheaper. And then we took it a step further, and we looked to say, OK, if they were to really optimize their technology, then they can get savings of, of over 60% in their dev and test environment. And if you take it even further, and you think about how moving to cloud would change them, they'd be able to have a more flexible operating model, which would be able to give them some more benefits as well. And then finally, if you went through and looked at the impact, they'd be able to have more of a productivity improvement of over 25%. So all of these things combine, and we'll go through each one of these uh, case by case, 
as to how you can use this in building out your own business cases. Right? So, I mean, the first thing just to really understand is, right, this, it's not very difficult. Right? You just have to be diligent, you have to be focused, and you have to be able to try to make sure that all of the key components are included. Right? More often than not, what we see is when, pe when our customers uh, try to create business cases, they focus too much on one area and not the other. And really, you want to look at all of these four things. So first of all, how many different types of business cases are there? We really think it's about three. Right? So the first one is a high-level business case. This is really directional in nature. You need to come up with an estimate to see whether or not this might make sense. Right? It's really just to give the idea whether or not any, whether your team should go ahead and pursue this activity. The second one is a more refined business case. And with a refined business case, it you know, gives you some more detail. You're trying to understand how your people might impact things, how some of the design for your technologies may be impacted. And you're going to get a few more data points. And through that, you're going to get a higher level of confidence. That the, that the, that the answer that you come up with, that the analysis that you do, has more detail within it. And if you really need to go a level deeper, right, then you can have a very detailed business case, right, which is a deep dive of every single point. You're trying to look at what are your costs, what is your structure. You're trying to look at where you're going to be able to get some savings, where you can get more efficiency, more productivity from moving over to cloud. And, and this gets you really into, into the 95% accuracy range. Right? And as you can imagine, as you go from a high level to a refined to a detailed, each one takes longer, it takes more time. Right? The high level you can get done fairly quickly, whereas a detail involves you know, quite a bit of effort and time from not just you know, one person or one team, but multiple areas of, of being able to give input. So when we at AWS talk to our customers and we try to help them think about where it is that they are in their cloud journey, we really you know, look at what we call our stages of adoption. So we have about four stages of adoption, uh, the project stage, foundational, uh, cloud native, and then reinvention. And the project stage is basically you're toying with the idea, you're doing a couple of POCs, you're, you're testing out one or two workloads. It's, it's really an experimentation. At the, uh, at the foundation stage, this is really where you're trying to build out your key foundations for your AWS environment. So you've defined a strategy for your account structure and your VPC structure. You defined your networking strategy, your security strategy, really the baseline for all of your AWS, um, for your AWS environments. And then there's a migration phase, which is when you're trying to actually move your workloads from your on-premise to AWS. And the migration can happen in multiple ways. How many of you are familiar with the six R's? Some of you. So there's a few different presentations that will go deeper into it. But it really talks about six real ways that you can migrate over. Right? You can re-host them, which is basically more of a lift and shift. Or you can go ahead and, and you know, re-platform or re-architect and so on. And then once you've actually migrated to cloud, you have to think about, do you want to re-architect or re-engineer some of your applications? Right? Because when you lift and shift applications over, uh, you may not take on the full benefits of cloud. You'll get some of these impacts, 
But you won't really, if you have a large monolithic application that you moved over as is, you probably will not be able to get the benefits of autoscaling. Right? You probably won't be able to get the benefits of being able to turn things down and up as you need it. So when you look at these four stages of adoption, right, project, foundation, migration, um, where is the right place to go build a business case? Well, from our standpoint, you can build a business case here at the project stage to see whether or not, you know, based upon your experimentation, if it's a good idea. You can build it at the foundation level. Right? Now you've, you've understood AWS further, you can go ahead and have a little bit more detail. You can go ahead and build it even at the migration stage or all the way at the top, right, at the optimization stage. So you really want to make sure, uh, depending on what your need is, you can define your business case as needed. So um, the inputs that you put into each one are going to be different. The level of understanding that you have about the platform and about the different areas are going to be different. But all of them will serve a purpose. And you really have to understand and talk amongst yourselves and, and your peers as to what you're really looking to gather from all of this. So if you look at the process of building out a business case, the very first piece is to use a TCO as a baseline. So a TCO is a total cost of ownership, which is essentially the acquisition cost, the migration cost, as well as the operations cost. You want to be able, so what is the total cost of actually owning and operating a, an IT workload or an IT environment or your data center, however you want to define that scope to be. And there's a few things that go into a TCO. So if you're trying to compare what, what you have on-prem to AWS, right, you're going to look at your server costs. And your server costs include things like hardware, your racks, your chassis. Right? It's also going to include your software, such as your operating system, any virtualization licenses you may have, and such. Next, you're going to look at your storage costs, which include everything from um, your hardware, right, such as your NAS, your SAN, et cetera, but then also the software costs of what, how are you going to do your backups and admin. And then on top of that, you're going to look at your networking costs, which again includes the physical pieces, such as your switches, your load balancers, your, your bandwidth costs, et cetera, as well as sort of your software piece. Right? How are you going to monitor your network? And then there's a set of costs here that most of our customers tend to leave out, either by choice or just they don't think about it. And can anyone sort of guess what these types of costs are? I, sorry, say it again? Security costs, yes. People costs. Data center, yep. Power, yep. So facility costs, right? Space, power, cooling. Right. In most cases, this is basically a black box. Right. Most product managers, most software teams, uh, don't most business unit heads, right. you don't really get that detailed cost analysis. Right. You're basically just given, I pay my monthly fee or my yearly fee uh, as a line item to IT. But you don't understand how much, uh, how much power your specific server is taking up, how much actual space in, in, how much real estate space is your, your VM, the hypervisor, and where your ESX server sits is actually taking up. Right? So you have to take that into account because when you compare it to the AWS cost, that includes all of it. Right? We, I mean, the, the hourly cost that you pay for an EC2 instance on AWS or for any of our services includes the cost it takes us to operate those services on your behalf. 
So if you want to have a true analysis, you have to make sure you include these sets of costs. Now, if you think about migrations, now you also have to think about what is your migration cost? Because, well, it's not going to move itself. So this includes tools. So you're going to maybe involve some third-party tools, such as discovery tools, migration tools, and such. And you're going to have people costs. Whether those, co those people costs are your own internal teams or they're uh, third parties that you hire. And on top of that, you also have to think about, will you have any lease penalties? And if you have a colo, do you have to stay in there for a certain period of time? And then you have to think about your labor costs. So, and this is your own internal labor costs. So how do you go ahead and operate your environment today around your server admins, your VM admins, right, your storage admins, your networking teams, right? The, who are the people who are running and operating your data center, right, your support teams, et cetera. So it's really, it's really something you have to make sure you, you understand and fully encompass as you go forth and, and try to build out your business case. Now, the last piece are you're going to have some extras that you haven't thought about. Right? Project planning, you may have to think about hiring a project manager, you may have to think about hiring some outside help. Are you going, how are you going to train your teams once you move over to AWS? What about your cost of capital? So there's a number of these things that you people forget about to include. Because moving to AWS, you don't want to always show all the great things. There are pieces that you have to invest to be able to get out the return. So next is you have to think about technology optimization. Now, technology optimization really comes in the form of when you're trying to compare your costs, you don't want to make it a like for like. You're not moving to AWS to make your environment look exactly how it is today. Then you just have another place to host your, your, your workloads. And the benefits and such are not going to be as great. What you really want to do is compare it to what a re-architected environment looks like on AWS. And this re-architected environment, think about a world where you're free from managing infrastructure. You don't have to think about how to manage a server. You don't have to think about, do I have to back up this, this, in, this workload? Do I have to make sure that I'm monitoring this server in case it goes down? How do I send an alert at 3 o'clock in the morning? And think about how you can go about doing that. And when you're thinking about how to maximize and optimize the, te the technolo technology side, there's five main pillars that we really think through. And these include services. So of course, at the very baseline, you can have an EC2 instance, right, which is basically a compute instance. But you can have managed services or even higher value services. Right? Higher value services include things like Lambda. Managed services include things like RDS and Redshift. The second pillar is really about fit. So are you picking the right instance type? Are you picking the right instance family? Are you picking the right storage type? Are you picking the right storage class? When do I use something like EBS versus EFS versus S3 versus Glacier? If I'm using S3, right, am I going to go ahead and use S3 or S3IA? What's the best thing for my workload? What's the right fit for what I need to do? Do I need to have a lot of puts and gets? Is that OK? Or do I need to have block level writing? Do I need, is my workload compute optimized or memory optimized? Even if you're thinking about things like RDS, right? 
you can go ahead and pick different, different families of RDS instances. The third area is around price. So there's, as many of you know, there are multiple purchasing options around um, AWS. So you have your on-demand hourly pricing, you can do reserved instances, you can do spot, you can do dedicated, but then also you have to think about the licensing options as well around the software. Are you going to use existing licenses that you have and bring them over? Are you going to switch over from um, license focus to um, areas that don't require a lot of licensing? Are you going to use something like uh, Marketplace to go ahead and get your licenses? Are you going to move from databases that are uh, through the large corporations into something like Aurora? So licensing is a key factor that you have to consider into your cost. Next piece is scale. So one of the key benefits of moving to cloud is the ability to auto-scale. And you can scale based upon time or on event. By time, it means that at 11 o'clock every day, I'm going to expand or I'm going to decrease. And I know at, at 6 o'clock in the evening, when everyone leaves, I can go ahead and shut things down. So as you go ahead and build your business model, you have to make sure and take these into account. So as we talked about in the previous business case, that they, received, they saw a reduction in their dev and test environment, the reason why there was a reduction is that they calculated out that in the evenings and on weekends, they wouldn't run. They did not have a 24-7 development shop. They knew when those, when those workloads would have to turn off, and so they accounted for that. So that's the same piece. If you don't have the ability to shut down your operations today and be able to bring them back up in an automated fashion, but you will tomorrow, that actually is a positive impact on your business case. And the last piece is around iteration. So once you go ahead and, and come up with these baseline scenarios, you want to be able to do some periodic reviews and update your numbers because you'll learn things. You'll realize that maybe I picked an, uh, an M instance class family and then I realized I really need an R instance class. Right? It's not general, it's really memory heavy. Or I really need GPU and type instances. So you, you will have to refine what makes sense for your workloads. And that's one of the beauties about AWS, experimentation, you can do it. And it doesn't cost you much. So you have to think about how you want to go ahead and structure this and how you want to optimize your technology. So you really want to make sure that your technology optimization allows you to simplify the underlying stack. So if you're just looking at compute, which is basically EC2, right, you're, you're looking at paying for real estate, right, facilities, power, you're looking at your on-premise piece. Right, these are all the different areas that you're going to be accounted for. Now, when you move over to the, the foundations piece, as we talked about, now you're going to use EC2 and use things for like S3 and EBS or potentially EFS for storage. But what if you took it a step further? What if you started using serverless? Things like Lambda, API Gateway, Batch. It, these things can go ahead, these services that AWS offers, Athena, can go ahead and make your value so much greater because now you're focused on only your workload and your application. AWS is taking care of all the underlying aspects. And as we go through all of these, you also have to think about where it is that you and your teams can add the most value. Because 
if you feel like the value is added by ma managing and maintaining your data centers, then that's what your core competency should be. But if your value and core competency is somewhere else, then you leave that to, to AWS to do. Right. So we've talked about TCO, we've talked about technology optimization. Now we want to think about the impact of transformation. And the impact of transformation is things that you don't normally think about as you're thinking of a migration to the cloud. And here are some of the things that come to mind. Here are some of the things that our customers tell us about. Um, you know, are, how are you going to do governance and policy management in the cloud? Do you have an operations process? Do you have an operations management? Are you going to do reporting any, any differently? Um, what's, your, what's your core competency going to be now when it's not servers and racking and stacking? I recently was working with one customer and they told us that today they have three different teams that get involved in sizing a server. Okay? That's going to be fundamentally different in, in, in a cloud world. How do you account for that cost? How do you account for that transformation? Something you need to think about. Um, now you're going to have to do some legacy, legacy organization. I'm going to talk about that a bit more in a minute. Um, what about DevOps? How many people have heard DevOps here? What does that mean? Right? It's, it's really loaded. It's, it's a really big concept. But the concept of doing, for example, waterfall development in a cloud world doesn't really work. I recently was talking to one CIO, and she told me that the transition to Agile was one of the most tough things she did in her career. Does that resonate with anybody? It does. I see some people shaking their heads. So absolutely. So how do you account for that cost? How is your organization going to transform because they can't be doing the same thing they're doing if you're going to optimize and really get the best out of the cloud. Think about these sort of non-technology components. And many, many of our customers get hung up on this because they'll go back and they'll look at the business case. And when they hadn't accounted for these components, now in the, in, in the end state, the business case doesn't look as attractive. And someone says, well, this cloud journey wasn't as, as hyped up as I thought it was going to be. So what we're trying to tell you is think of these components up front. And the good news is we've come up with a framework for this. Has anybody heard about the cloud adoption framework? A few people, not as many as I would have liked. Um, so AWS has put together this cloud adoption framework that is really meant to be you know, this agnostic framework for helping customers along their cloud journey. And really what we've done here is take each of those components and help you think about which of those components are relevant for your business case. Okay, so the six, there's six what we call perspectives, and each of those perspectives has an impact on what, what you should be considering for your business case. Let's take the business perspective, for example. Okay, so one of the key things we talk about when we're doing the business perspective of the CAF is why are you doing this journey to the cloud? Okay, so most companies already have an existing IT strategy, so now they have to realign their IT strategy to encompass cloud. Okay? There, there's a cost to that. There's some, there's some realignment required. For, for instance, if now all net new development is going to happen in the cloud, what is that going to look like? Do you need a separate team for that? Do you have those costs factored in into your IT organization? How do you manage vendors now in the cloud? They're going to look significantly different than they did in your traditional IT. In many cases, there's cost savings there. Okay? So you have to factor that back into your business case because then your business case will look more attractive. Um, Shabazz and I actually were meeting a customer earlier, earlier this week, and, and that customer basically said, well, you know what, I've done all the numbers and my private cloud really is cheaper than the cloud. Okay? 
So does anybody really believe that here? Well, we don't. Partly because there's costs that they haven't captured. There's costs they haven't put together, which means that your business cases are not being compared apples to apples. Okay? How do you account for IT organizations that are already using the cloud? In many businesses we see there really is a line of business that already has an application on AWS or on a cloud. Okay? So how do you bring that back into, into IT or control? Or maybe you let them continue as they are. So those transformation costs, those transformation impacts needs to be included. The second thing we want to think about is the, the cost of people. Okay? How you train, how you, what you train, who you train is really, really important. And those costs are typically not captured in a business case. They're really thought about after the fact, or they're not accounted for at all. Okay? Um, and, and the concept of a cloud COE, right? There's not one model there because we work with a lot of organizations and you know, there's not necessarily one model, but sometimes there is, there is sort of this, this model that needs to be built that takes time and effort and cost. You might need some external consultants to help you build that too. When we think about training, there's many things you need to think about. One of the things we tell customers is train often, train early, and keep training. And who do you train? Right? You can train one group of people or you can train everybody. I recently was talking to another CIO and, and my advice to him was, you know what, don't build a separate cloud team that is the only team that gets taught, that learns AWS. Train everyone. Train everyone. That way you've built that momentum within the organization and then really you know, your cloud migration can be accelerated. Once again, that's a cost that a lot of organizations don't think about. Um, <clears throat> there's a different cost to governance. Okay? A lot of companies have built a lot of controls, a lot of structure around ITIL. Does that sound familiar? Right? Everything has been ITILized. Um, release management, change management, incident management, problem management. I know, I built a lot of that myself. Um, now, how do you do it in the cloud? Right? Do you overlap the existing process onto cloud? Um, I, I recently was talking to another customer and they wanted the developers to fill out a paper form to turn on an EC2 instance. This is kind of funny, but true. It's a true story. Because all they're trying to do is overlay an existing process on, onto sort of a cloud process. So what, what's, what's ha gonna happen here is processes need to be re-engineered. There's a cost to that. If you, don't build, if you don't build it in, if you don't think about it, you're not gonna be able to sort of be efficient down the line. Um, how is AWS consumed, right? Do you need to get tools in front of place? Because as much as we have really cool native tools, sometimes they may not fit with, it, with an organization, with an enterprise. Whether it's a service catalog, whether it's tools like ServiceNow, right? They need to be sort of built in into how the tools, into how uh, the, 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 the migration will happen and how you will consume, your organization will consume cloud. Um, how do you manage capacity? Um, it's fundamentally very different in AWS than in, than in uh, um, on-premise. We have this concept of now, you need to think of your servers as cattle, not pets. Has anybody heard this before? Okay. So think of how you manage that capacity. It's very different. And, and how do you manage assets? Okay. The traditional model of a CMDB may not necessarily apply. Um, so how is that sort of when we think about all the elements I've described here, these are, all, these are all impacts to your transformation that you need to account for and need to think of. And your migration plan and your migration business case needs to have all these thought of. of. And what we've shared here is not necessarily the be-all and the end-all. It's not meant to be the only comprehensive list, but it's a bunch of things that you need to be thinking about, and at least some that we encounter um, when, when we're out on the field. 
So then we, th so I've talked about three perspectives there on, on the left side, which is the business, which is people, governance. Now let's talk a bit about the other technical perspectives, which is the platform, security, and operations. Um, and when we think about the platform, and we'll talk about this in a minute again, is some of your legacy environment will have to be modernized. Okay? Some, some of those applications, like Shabazz was referring to earlier, cannot necessarily be lifted and shifted in, into the cloud. Right? So as much as you have the tools to be able to optimize that environment, right, there's an actual cost to go ahead and do that. And, and have you accounted for that cost in your business case? And how do you? In certain cases, some of those applications may need to be refactored. Um, and refactoring, you know, there's a bunch of um, methodologies around to do that. There's a cost applied to that. Can you do it yourself? Do you have the skills in-house to do that? Are you going to be hiring somebody to do that? How long is it going to take? Which ones do you do? So that needs to be accounted for as well. In certain cases, some of those applications were just not meant for the cloud. They need to be re-architected. There's a cost to that too, okay? Um, and then, we, we spend a lot of time with customers, once again, that have invested a lot of time and energy and, and um, investments in, in tools. So, you know, good tools for monitoring, good tools for um, uh, ticketing, um, uh, logging, auditing. So those tools need to be integrated with, with AWS tools. In certain cases, you may choose native tools. Um, we actually have customers that say, you know what, we're not going to use our old tools anymore. We're just going to use the native tools. So now there's a cost to that, right? There's a cost to either not using that existing tool, how do you depreciate it, um, make sure that's accounted for in the business case. Um, and then the operations, how are you going to operate this? Is your existing team going to do it? Are you going to use a managed service provider? Almost every business case I look at doesn't include enough costs for post operations. Okay? They almost, there's no such line item in any, very few of the business cases I see that says, is there a cost to operating this? Managed service providers, um, or even if it's existing internal IT, how are they going to do it? What is the cost? Are they trained up? Or existing partners sometimes who are um, supporting your data center, they, are, they, they will be able to support your existing future uh, uh, AWS um, landscape, but they haven't been along for the journey. So they are just going to give you a bill at the end and say, well, now this is how much it's going to cost for me to support that. Okay? that that's also a surprise. So each of these needs to be thought of. Now, as we were sort of building this, one of the things we came across is if you don't do anything, right, and, and your business case, once again, like I said, if I give you the scenario of, you know, the customer that's comparing my private cloud to AWS, right, you're really comparing very basics, very basic sort of compute. And like Shabazz said, it, it's literally the first slide we talked about. But what you're not accounting for in that existing business case is what we call the cost of inaction. Okay? What we say the cost of inaction should be factored into your current state. Okay? Because you're going to spend that amount of money regardless. Whether you go to the cloud or not, you're going to spend money. So how we've done this and have you think about this is do this walk, do this comparison to get you to, to build a better business case. And we kind of did this in reverse, so this is kind of like you know, going back in time. In an end state, there's a true AWS spend. Your beautiful business case has been developed. You've done all the, 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 the migration costs. You've built all the people costs, impact, technology transformation. You've really got a dollar amount for what your AWS future state is going to look like. You need to be able to compare that to 
on-premise in your existing environment, you're going to spend a certain dollar amount on application modernization, regardless of whether you move to cloud or not. Does anybody disagree with that? Does anybody agree with that? I see some people shaking their heads. Absolutely. So whether you move to the cloud or not, you're going to spend some money on application modernization. You just have to keep current. It's a bottom line. You have to factor that into your existing business, to your existing standard cost of operations. Almost nobody does that. So what does it do? It shows your current operating costs as being pretty low, which is really wrong. Another one is you're going to do hardware refresh. Okay? You're not going to necessarily think about that in a standard operating model. Okay? We've seen so many of that, so many of those standard operating um, business cases that don't have a hardware refresh included in that. Okay? Because you think you're going to have to run that hardware for an X period of time, but if, if you're comparing it to a five-year AWS business case, there's at least one hardware refresh in there that is typically not built in. So build that into a current comparison. You're going to have software licensing. Okay? And does software get cheaper over time? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right? It does on AWS. Okay? So you have to think of your existing run rate of software licensing and maintenance. And Shabazz actually made me take out a line here yesterday because I had software audits in here. Who loves that? Right? Sometimes that's a cost that you haven't even contemplated that you could get hit with. So that's a standard operating cost that is in your existing baseline that you should account for. And then you've got what we call best of breed integration. Okay? And I've built data centers, I've managed data centers, and this is what best of breed integration means. This means that in your operating system, in your application layer, in your database layer, in your network, in your monitoring, how many different softwares do you have? Dozens, right? Across that layer, there's dozens of different softwares. How much time do you spend making them talk? How much money? And, and those boxes are not meant to be accurate. They're meant to be relative, not even relative, right? That could be a significant amount of your operation. That there's no line item in the IT budget for it, okay? You have to account for that. So then, at the end of the day, if, you, if we build all that up, there's a total cost of what we call inaction, of not migrating to the cloud, that is absolutely not accounted for anywhere. Okay? Because your standard business case, like Shabazz had put up, just includes servers, hardware, um, you know, some software, um, some uh, facilities costs, if you remember, and that's what your current comparison is against. So when you do a standard TCO comparison, you know, we're looking at about 25% savings, which doesn't include any of this. Okay? So really, really what we're trying to say here is if you're going to build a solid business case for migration, you have to think about the transformation impact, and you have to think about these elements of what we are calling the cost of inaction. And once again, there's probably more. We could have probably added seven or eight more here of what it costs your standard environments. You guys know a lot of that better than many of us do. Um, in certain cases, there's compliance, that you have, depending on the industry you're in, that you have to keep updating. Imagine the cloud provider does all that for you, and you're not doing that. Okay, so we've talked about TCO, we've talked about technology optimization, we've talked about transformation impact. The last we want to talk about is what we are calling business value. Okay? And the beauty of business value here is that now what we found is ways and methods for you to be able to quantify the benefits of AWS that go way beyond a traditional business case. Okay? And this is one, and one example we have here is Understand how IT can now help the business in a cloud model, as opposed to before. Right? Gartner has these stats that say traditional IT organizations spend over 
on keeping the lights on. Right? Only 30% is dedicated of your budget to innovation and to new projects. Does that resonate with anybody? Right? Most of your money is spent on keeping the lights on. Right? But now, if you're in a cloud model, what do you have a lot of time to do? You're going to have the same IT staff. They have a lot of time on their hands now. Right? Instead, you can concentrate on new business initiatives. You can concentrate on new projects. Right? You can dedicate more resources to innovation. Does that sound something that's possible and doable? Absolutely, right? But what we've been able to do and give you some thoughts around is how you can actually quantify that. Because that is what you want to build into your business case to make your business case even stronger. So your business case goes beyond just a bunch of how I can save money on hardware and software, but now how I can actually impact the business, how I can add value to the business, okay? So we want you to think about that in sort of two ways. Right? One is obviously the tangible cost savings, and we'll show you some examples of that. Um, but then the more trickier one, and the one that actually we've had a lot of fun in the last year or so, is around quantifying the business value for intangible items. Okay? And what are those intangible items? Right? And really the intangible ones are the ones that you know, are a little bit more difficult to quantify, but really are impacting both your top line and your bottom line. Okay? So let's start off by talking about the tangible benefits. And these ones will make sense to everybody here because these are sort of the logical ones that stick out. The first one is cost avoidance. So moving to the, and you have to, once again, what we're trying to say here is you have to be able to build these into your business case. Have a line item that says cost avoidance. Okay? Imagine how excited your CFO is going to get when he sees that. Okay? So one example of cost avoidance is in the second line of your in, in, in your AWS side of, the, of your business case, you're going to be able to eliminate hardware refresh programs. Remember the, the cost of inaction we had on the other side that said hardware refresh? Well, you're not going to have one on the AWS, on the, on the cloud side. Okay? Reduce focus uncertainty by matching supply with actual demand. That's, that's sort of a packed statement, but what we're trying to say there is with the technology that AWS provides, you have the ability to scale up and scale down for those projects that before everything was a capital expense or everything was uncertain and that was an added expense to the IT. And take an take, start off by looking at what you spent on projects within your current year. Which of that was expected, which of it was unexpected. And uncertainty on demand. When you have peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys of, of your business, what do businesses do? The built for the peak. In the meantime, all that is unused capacity. So you're being so what all you're doing is avoiding that cost of that peak. You have to be able to quantify that. Pathway to optionality. What does that mean? What that means is, with an open system like AWS, with the open services, you can pick and choose the services you need. Right? When you're when you're buying from another vendor, you're buying a bunch of things that you probably will never use. Okay. Who's paying for that? You are. Okay? With the cloud options, the cost avoidance here is you're going to only pay for the features you use. Okay? Look at your balance sheet from last year and say, here are all the things I paid for. Here are the ones I actually used. You're not going to pay for that. That's cost avoidance. Okay? The second part is operational cost, tangible benefits of operational cost. We can, you can save money through automation. Right? You're going, to save you're going to spend less on tools for patching. Right? You don't have administrators out there. I remember the days of actually setting out people with CDs and disks to go do OS patching. Okay? 
You don't have to do that anymore, right? The, the additional compliance costs that you may have to hire someone to do audits, right? You have now access to the platform that has that built in. So, you re so you're saving on those operational costs. Hardware maintenance costs, they're, they're just no longer there, right? And you should show a line item on your business, business case that says cloud, hardware expense, hardware maintenance, zero. Show it all the way through. I'd love to see that, okay? And then, at the end of the day, the transparency is driving a leaner means, uh, mindset, right? Your consumption model, you're able to show, show back very clearly what the bill was to the end user, right? How many of much have spent time building chargeback models? Put up a show of hands. How much fun is it? It's horrendous, okay? Now, with tagging, the technology, you can show that, that, that use so transparently that the business user actually can say, okay, I really do spend that much or spend this little, right? That's gonna drive down costs, okay? So don't forget what that looks like. So we've talked about the tangible benefits. Now let's think about the intangible benefits, okay? Business agility. You'll hear this throughout the week over and over again, how the cloud's gonna help you be more agile, right? Rapid and less expensive experimentation. Who remembers the times of when, if you wanted to do a POC, you'd have to go buy expensive hardware and, ex and you'd have to buy a license, you'd have to get a project funding just to do a project that may not actually go anywhere, okay? There's a, there's a bottom line impact to agility that you can quantify. Fast rapid application development. We've actually worked with one large enterprise that quantified in their business case 50% developer productivity improvement because of the tools they had available to them in the cloud. Where does that get quantified? That goes right to the top line, okay? To the top line in that those developers are now creating 2x products that the customers are gonna use. Now, I'm not saying AWS is gonna make you t twice as rich, but th the point is, your developers are more productive, you can find a way to quantify that, okay? Faster time to market, if you're able to make faster products. Productivity for the workforce is the other element that we wanted to talk about. Now, your team is much more productive. They're not waiting for service to get turned up, right? You can quantify that. I did one business case with a, with, with a financial services institution that said, okay, Here's how long it takes us for project from start to finish. Okay, they quantify the time, and time is money. You can quantify that time to dollars. Then you shrink that, and guess what? Operational expenses down, productivity is up. Okay, increased automation. There's a self-service culture now. Okay, how much more productive is your team and your workforce when they're able to be more productive? High retention, we're actually talking to customers that are saying we, we've been able to retain our staff more if they're working on projects in the cloud. Find a way to quantify that in your business case, right? Because how expensive is it to go out and rehire people again, right? Put a line item that says, I'm gonna save money on rehiring, okay? Resilience, you can actually document how much more resilient and, and higher availability the cloud has versus traditional systems, okay? Many companies and organizations are able to quantify the dollar amount on revenue of a minute or an hour of downtime. Does that make sense? If you're, depending on the business you're in, 
An hour or a minute of downtime of your IT systems equals lost revenue, okay? If you're able to say now, I have X amount higher availability because of the systems I've architected on multi-availability zones, resiliency of the cloud, I can quantify that as increased bottom line or top line, okay? Reduced bugs, so this one is one that Amazon itself sort of lives and breeds, right? Our CICD sort of cons um, uh, continuous integration, continuous development methodology means in, an, in a year, we're actually releasing 50 million changes on Amazon.com, right? Like the numbers are mind blowing. It's all relevant, it's all relative, depending on the organization you're in, but you're able to iterate faster, talked about the whole DevOps culture versus Agile, right? Less bugs, and what do bug, what are bugs? They're, they're not free, they cost money, okay? How much does it cost to fix something that was developed wrong in production in a traditional on-premise system? Okay, pick one example. You have, you have the data in front of you, pick one example. Put a dollar amount to it, right? That's all that comprehensiveness can get built into that business case. This is a, a great thing for you to sort of think about is at the end of the day, right, how do you continue to enhance business value? And the whole concept of experimentation and experimenting frequently is the whole AWS value. Lower the cost of, if you want to increase innovation, if you want to increase innovation, lower the cost of experimentation, right? Developers have access to a set of primitives based on everything you've helped them build, build or consume. They can go out and turn on products and services and develop, and if it doesn't work, shut it down, right? What's the cost of that, right? You typically have accounted for that cost in your IT organizations. You are paying for it. Okay, you're paying for eight months of that project that it took to build those servers, hire them, rack them, buy the software, and that project for net to get launched. How many of those do we have? On an average, 15% of IT projects are actually successful. Okay? Are you accounting for that 75% failure? Because there's a huge cost to that. Guess what? It's hidden in your IT budget. Put a cost to it. Right? And show that you're still probably going to have that type of... Nobody's saying that you're going to get 30% more success of your projects on, 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 on AWS. But the cost of those experiments is much lower. Okay? Quantify that. Put a dollar amount to it. And here's an example. Right? We want to share this and say, at the end of the day, you know, in a traditional environment, how does this work? All these are gates for developers. Builders want to build. They don't want to be blocked. They want to innovate. How easy is it for them to do this today? Okay? They have an idea. They have six gates before they get through someone supporting them. And the ones who push through will push through because they have the, 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 the fortitude and, and sort of the motivation, the determination. Right? They'll get told, we're too busy this year. Do it next year. Oh, you really want to do that? That's a change order. Somebody's going to charge more for that. Or when it's put in production, well, you're going to have to support it yourself. We don't do that. Right? So all those things, plus the previous slide I said, quantify that. Put a dollar amount to what those costs of experiments mean to you. Okay? So at the end of the day, when we think about your entire business case and the four things we've talked about today, right? the right business case enables you to do a few things. The first one is correctly define your current and future costs. So some of the things I've described today are really your future costs regardless of which way you're operating. Whether you're moving to a cloud model or not, you're still gonna to have to modernize. When you think about moving to the cloud, you're going to have to put the cost of your, trans, your transformation in there. Don't forget it, because it doesn't come for free. It will, it will be something you have to spend money on. So 
In that case, we're telling you the cloud case becomes a bit less attractive, but put those costs in. Because at the end of the day, someone's gonna go back and ask you, well, you didn't include the cost of training. Build it in, okay? Envision the art of the possible, like Shabad said. Think of a future state that doesn't look like your current state from a technology perspective, okay? You have the five pillars of technology optimization at your, hand, at your fingertips now, right? It will help you envision a much different future state so you're not lifting and shifting what your current products look like. They might be refactoring, they might be re-architecture, but you're, you're envisioning a future state. Reflect the cloud transition, the migration costs we talked about, using the six perspectives of the CAF, right? It might be a lot, it might be more than you thought, but at least it's accurate, right? And then finally, we talked about both quantifying your tangible and intangible benefits. And I hope we've given you some thoughts on both the tangible and intangible benefits that you may not have thought of before you came in today, especially intangible benefits. We find so many customers that sort of open their eyes and says, wow, I hadn't thought of that before, right? Definitely something different, another way to look at it. And more and more refining business cases are, are really, really need a lot of rigor. They need a lot of sort of work upfront um, because you're comparing against environments that you know, people know very well. Okay? People have spent a lot of time building private clouds or data centers. You know, they're, they're sort of emotionally attached to them and, and they know those costs very well. Okay? There's a cost of transition. We talked about the, the cost of transformation. Right? You need to accurately reflect that. Right? And sometimes, and at the end of the day, what we see always is the business case is just one element of your transition journey. It's just one element. Cost is one of the drivers, but really, really important for you to reflect the cost correctly, and we hope we've given you enough things here today to think about, um, and that this, this session was valuable. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Um, we have.